satellite cutoff uh, during uploads and stuff like that. And, and then again, too, you know, the satellite itself, ExploreNet, is owned by the Hughes Corporation, part of the military-industrial complex. The same satellite, in fact, is shared by the military. And it's no surprise at all uh, that they can give you a hassle as well. Again, nothing you can take into court. This means you'll spend many more hours uploading every night than your usual four. That's how they get to you. Harassment. It's all done by a chain of command, because most things out there are part of the military-industrial complex. All the biggies in every area of your life is owned by the military-industrial complex, including your food. I'll be back with more after these messages. Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix. Just doing a bit of griping there about the hassles I'm getting from the higher powers, the ones that make a phone call to big organizations that are really part of the big umbrella group that they work under. And that's what it takes to give someone trouble. Nothing legal, nothing that could even be found out, in fact, as to a cause or a reason. Nothing back in writing, not even an email just occasional chat with someone at Yahoo who understands the problem and always passes it back to engineering who seem to be utterly in a a complex about whatever is causing the problem with my particular site. Astonishing you. But that's the real world we live in. We live in Plato's cave. Our whole life is really a Plato's cave. And there are those that always design it for you. Each generation has one designed specifically for it which is a bit more different than the one previous to it, and it's meant to acclimatize those within to the changes they'll experience throughout their lives. When you think of most of the media out there, and I've mentioned the other night to the media as the middleman, and his job is to give you your reality on behalf of those above him, his bosses. That's what the media is. It's the middle, the media. And it works very well. Most people never, ever stop to think, even at school, that uh, a lot of the indoctrination they're getting... By the way, indoctrination is another legitimate word for education. Education doesn't mean that you're being taught truth or anything else. It means you're given an indoctrination, a preparatory indoctrination for the changes that are already scheduled to happen throughout your lifetime. Because those who rule the world plan the future. They always plan the future. There are hundreds of think tanks out there linked together whose whole job it is, is to plan the future. And you have the big futurist societies at the top uh, that also employ novelists, amongst others, uh, script writers for a screen, to write stories, sci-fi type stories about the coming societies, etc. And we grew up lit and it emerges. We think it's all familiar to us because we've heard it somewhere before. So it seems quite natural. That's how you create the future. You plan it. And those at the top have never lost control. Plato's cave upgraded for every generation. I was going over the United Nations mandates in the World Health Organization, which they basically took over from the League of Nations as precursor. Really the same institution set up in 1919. And their 
health department at that time said they would eradicate all diseases by science. Now, science was to be raised to this status of godhood in the age of reason. It would replace all gods, and we were to obey science eventually, be taught to obey it, just as obediently as we'd obeyed all previous religions in all totality. That's what's happening today, but there's a nefarious side to it too, because part of those who plan the future, even before they formed the League of Nations and during the formation of the League of Nations and the United Nations, have a, had a, a priority to reduce the population. After all, the UN was set up by the big foundations that first came out on the scenes as philanthropists who were extremely concerned about eugenics. They promoted eugenics, survival of the fittest. And that is all through our strata of civilization. All of their indoctrinations are everywhere across the media and in school and all your nature programs, all your indoctrination. Because we must all get the same indoctrination at the same time and upgrades to it, just like when you download the, the updates to your spyware, we're updated by the media. So we all think the same things at the same time. We don't reason anything through. It's simply given to us. Osmosis, as Jack Salal said. I've talked about the GMO food and the adverse effects, which they knew before they gave it to the public, would happen. And yet it's a must-be, as I say. A must-be because doors open... Governments open every door that would be a barrier and help them along. Why is that? It's because it's part of the military-industrial complex, the big GMO companies. That's how they all started too, by the way. And during the Cold War and prior to the Cold War, the capitalist countries, to a different uh, tact of how they would help win this war, science would win the war. And whereas the communist countries set up social organizations to infiltrate the West, front groups. The West set up massive multi-dollar international corporations, technological, genetic, and otherwise, to win the war. And they still own it today. So all the biggies out there are part of the military-industrial complex. And I've said before, you don't open the door for a guy like Bill Gates and zoom him to the top. If there's a real world of free competition, there is no free competition in the technological areas because if there were, that means anybody could come in and upset the apple cart of total surveillance in a Cold War. People are pulled to the top because they're part of the military-industrial complex. And you can have only one main system that's under their control. That's why the doors are opened for these people. But they must pay back the piper and what does the mason say? The workman is worthy of his wages. He must pay back the hands that pull him up there. And now he's a philanthropist, dishing big millions of dollars into UN. And what area? Family planning, abortions, etc. That's how it works. That's the real world. And we get so much propaganda about inoculations, inoculations. Do you ever wonder why they called it viruses in computers? Before, people would never talk about viruses, etc. And infections. And about the same time as, as, as they start calling that on computers and becomes common terminology, 
We get the, the, the drumbeat going about plagues coming, plagues coming, plagues. And then we have to get real inoculations personally to ourselves to stop infections. It all works together, you see. Familiarize the people with, with the ideas and the topics and the terminology and they just prattle it to each other and everything seems quite natural because they do not reason anything through. They learn by osmosis from the media. There are many adverse reactions to the inoculations and right now the medical associations and really the big farmers that again are part of the military industrial complex and I, I don't just guess at that if you're going to people like Baxter and you'll see that they were part of the big chemical complex during World War II for IG Farben and they're still on the go today they're the ones who sent the mixed avian flu and the common common flu together out to different labs across the world recently. The very thing that we're told to be terrified of with the avian flu combining with the normal human flu. They did it. What a mistake, eh? So there's a lot of adverse reactions. And so what they've been told to tell the people from the medical establishment is if your child is sick or you get sick, with adverse reactions to inoculations, it's because you have defective mitochondria. In other words, your genes are defective. You're one of the oddballs. In society, in human society, we are so diverse in our makeup that we're all normal. There's no such thing as having abnormal mitochondria. It's just that they want one size fits all. If you fall outside of that size, in other words, you, you, the victim, are going to be blamed for it. That's how they're doing it now. Here's what happened to one couple. And remember, too, all the topics I talk about will be up on my site at the end of the show. And this is the sunrise, June the 25th, 2007. The sunset, August the 10th, 2007. Uh, this site is dedicated to giving voice to our son, Ian Larson Gromowski. Our child died of an adverse reaction to the hepatitis B vaccine. They're given hepatitis B vaccines now to babies. Hepatitis B is spread. It was always spread through the sex industry and intravenous drug users. But now they're pushing on to babies before your immune system is even up and prepared to work with the theory of vaccination. It says here, our hope is that Ian's story will inspire you to learn the benefits and the risks of vaccines so that your decisions are informed and best suited for your child. We are Scott and Deanna Gromosti, who live in southeast Wisconsin, just outside of Milwaukee. Our two sons are Ian, deceased, and Vance. We also have a Yorkie Pooh named Roxy. Now, there are graphic photographs of this baby as it goes through the changes uh, till it died. And it's just one of the unfortunates, you see. Nothing wrong with the baby at all, perfectly healthy. But, you see, it didn't fit in with that that new norm, that band of normality that they've decreed we all must be in to accept the vaccination. 
And I do believe, too, I'll put this link up, but I do believe, too, there's also a video of the parents talking and going through the process of what happens. And these people are ordinary people, ordinary people who I'm sure even yet are in the dark as to the fact that it's happening on a much larger scale. And that's what they go down in statistics as uh, unfortunates, unfortunates. Science must never, ever be tarnished. Unfortunate. Statistics. It's very graphic, as I say, and I'll put this uh, this link up on my website, cuttingthematrix.com. I'll go to Jenkins back with more after these messages. Alan Watt, we're cutting through the matrix. And before I go on to another topic, I should mention that Obama and other countries too have set up departments within government to mandate inoculations in preparation for plagues, etc. On behalf, of course, the big pharmaceutical military-industrial complex facilities. So you enter at your own peril, and you accept it definitely on your own peril. This article here is from Slow Food International. It's got an interview with Marie-Monique Robin, 28th of May, 09. But this is is, um, by Laura Stefani. And she describes Marie-Monique Robin, who is a journalist who's written books and done investigative reporting and hard-hitting documentaries, uh, including the IFES, which was an organ trafficking uh, a, a documentary which won her the prestigious Albert London Prize in 95 and she had various other ones to do with exposing the, the connection between the French secret services and the Argentine and Chilean dictatorships it's so um, best documentary of the year however she's, she's also going on to the GMO side of things it says she has, explains why she decided to dedicate four years of her life to investigating the leading global company in the transgenic industry, Monsanto, which now owns 90% of GMOs grown world, worldwide, mainly soy, corn, cotton, and canola, but there's many other things they're into, by the way, and potatoes too. There's an article I have, in fact, from South Africa. They're trying to stop them from planting them there. And the government, I think, has been heavily bribed, as every other government is told to go along the same way anyway. It'll be a must-be. says here anyway on this article, the result of this work was The World According to Monsanto, an investigative book which covers the history, hidden strategies, and true objectives of the controversial multinational. Now published in Italy, it's been translated into 13 languages, and the DVD film version has been distributed in 22 countries. In the years since its first publication in France, it's unleashed a massive international debate, but no official reaction from the biotech colossus, apart from the creation of a blog which confined itself to denying the points made in the book. Yet another if an inadvertent admission of the credibility and seriousness of Robin's work. In the book, you show how Monsanto, when it was one of the world's most important chemical companies, deliberately lied on many occasions, particularly regarding the toxicity of its products from PCBs, 
to dioxin and Agent Orange used in Vietnam. I told you it's all part of the military-industrial complex, and now they've been given the must-be go-ahead to take over the world's food supplies in a time when they're talking about massive population reduction. Put, it, put the two together, will you? So there's now genetically manipulating seeds entering our diet. Can we trust them? And this is what the woman said. Absolutely not. They lied in the past and are continuing to do so, even if their websites say things like, we help small farmers produce healthier food with reduced environmental impact. In fact, none of this is true. Just look at Roundup Ready Seeds. GM soy, for example, the first GMO launched on the market now constitutes 90% of all soy grown in the U.S. It has been manipulated to resist a powerful glyphosate-based herbicide called Roundup, which has been produced by Monsanto since the 1970s. Since 1988, there has been also been a version of for home gardens. The multinational maintained that it was a 100% biodegradable herbicide that was completely harmless for humans and the environment. Too bad that it's been found guilty, first in the U.S. and recently in France, for misleading advertising. Last year, a confidential Monsanto study was made public where it was stressed that only 2% of Roundup decomposes in the soil and then only after 28 days. A far cry from the concept of biodegradability. This is a crucial lie since 70% of GMOs currently grown in the world have been genetically manipulated so they can be sprayed with Roundup. Then it goes on to the health effects. It's very toxic and over the long term can cause cancer. As I show in the book on the basis of several scientific studies, but it also leads to sterility. Gee, it, it, uh, it really fulfills quite a few functions, doesn't it? It's been talked about over and over blatantly in the papers, population reduction and creating sterility. It also leads to abortions and genetic malformations. It acts as an endocrine disruptor, altering the male and female reproductive system. Now, your endocrine system also controls an awful lot more than just your reproductive system. It's also part of your autoimmune response. To, you wonder why everyone's got allergies? Suddenly, up 40% in the last couple of years across the world. In Argentina, I've met people living very close to enormous soy plantations which have been sprayed from the air. The immediate effects of acute intoxication are dermatitis, inflammation to the eyes, vomiting, and respiratory difficulties. To think that Roundup is the most sold herbicide in the world, Denmark is the only country not to permit it. What is it Monsanto's position on the possible side effects of GMOs? Very reassuring. According to the company, genetic manipulation has been thoroughly studied and there's absolutely no risk to health. This is not true. It's never been seriously investigated. We have no idea what consequences GMOs may have on human health in 20 years' time. And we're back with more on the statistics of this after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.
I'm Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix. Just reading the preface of a book, The World According to Monsanto. And the author is talking here about the revolving doors. And I've mentioned this before, how big business is a revolving door, where workers for these big companies cross the line into politics and back and forth, back and forth, become politicians or bureaucrats, or they're put back into their corporations again, back and forth because it's all part of the one military-industrial complex. That's why. That's what we're run by. As she says here, it highlights the collusion between industrial lobbies and political authorities. In this specific case, I discovered that the basic document of 1992 that regulates, or rather doesn't regulate, GMOs was drawn up by Michael Taylor. This person was a lawyer for Monsanto who entered the FDA the Food and Drug Administration, just to deal with this issue and later return to Monsanto as vice president. There's another woman there who's been there three times. She's crossed three times back and forth from the same company into politics. See how it works. The text signed by Taylor is based on the principle of substantial equivalence, according to which a GMO is grossly similar to its natural counterpart. Grossly similar. (laughs) That is the conventional plant. So it's unnecessary to be subjected to any study. It's unnecessary to be subjected to any study. Who did this? A lawyer from Monsanto who moved into government just for a little while and then back again to Monsanto. Says this is a massive fraud. And you better ask yourself, why is this happening? Until you get that, that through your head, you'll never understand any of it. Why is this happening? You think it's just corruption big bucks? No. These real companies are parts of a single multinational, international military industrial complex with an agenda, a combined agenda, depopulation, sterilization, etc., etc. That's what's really behind it. But I'll put this link up on my site. And also, just to add to that here, from the Organic Consumers Association, December the 17th, 2008, says, despite a massive public outcry, including over 20,000 emails from Organic Consumers Association, President-elect Obama has chosen former Iowa Governor Tom Vilsack to be the next Secretary of Agriculture. While Vilsack has promoted respectable policies with respect to restraining livestock monopolies, his overall record is one of aiding and abetting concentrated animal feeding operations or factory farms and promoting genetically engineered crops and animal cloning. That's why he's been put in, you see. Equally troubling is Vilsack's support for unsustainable industrial ethanol production, which has already caused global corn and grain prices to skyrocket, literally taking food off the table for a billion people in the developing world. Well, that will cause the food crisis wanted that they're always harping about because food's a weapon again in many aspects not just poisoning it but making a shortage of it you see kind of ties together they're not stupid at the top they're not stupid at all the organic consumers association is calling on organic farmers and all concerned citizens to join our call to action and block Vilsack's confirmation as the next secretary of agriculture there's a petition there etc I'll put this kind of information up on my site, as I say. And we can all howl at them, but it makes no difference anyway. I can guarantee you that. Because the public are being completely, utterly 
ignored. Only specific non-governmental organizations affiliated with the UN and authorized by the big boys get any hearsay, you see, because they say what the governments want you to say. That easy, that simple. And you have to tie things together. So you always tie things together to understand what's really happening. Now, someone today sent me an article on a video game. And I've talked about Plato's Cave and how it's each generation is literally through novels, movies, and even through video games. Remember, the military-industrial complex used these games for years before the public heard of computers to desensitize the soldiers so they'd kill without thinking. And now we've got a generation grown up on them. But it also makes you very dull to human cries of mercy, etc., as you play these games. That's the whole idea. You, you're completely dehumanized and desensitized. Just the video game Haze, developed by UK Studios Free Radical Design in 2007, has you playing a mercenary for a large multinational PMC, private military corporation called Mantel Corporation. Mantel. All the mercs are, are soldiers uh, and they use a nutritional drug called Nova Ketothyrazine, Nectar for short, that enables them to fight and shoot better. However, it's also an hallucinogenic drug, not unlike Brave New World's Soma, except in this game, the soldiers, the soldiers through the hallucinogen, view the world as a virtual reality video game rather than the real world, so it desensitizes them literally and prevents them from seeing the world through their own eyes. That's what the children and near Plato's cave, you see, is preparing them for their future are, are getting from, from a thousand sources. A thousand sources. Amazing, eh? Is it, is it really amazing? I wonder. I wonder. And I've mentioned, you see, how neuroscience is the big one now. Universities have been used forever for the big military-industrial complex. They get grants and handouts from foundations and from governments, and bigger foundations and bigger scientists at the top collect all the data they have from their individual experiments, put it all together, and they know everything about everything at the top. They know what causes disease and so on. They know much more than they teach people at the average medical school. That's how much they know. If they can make glow-in-the-dark monkeys, believe you me, they can have glow-in-the-dark monkey offspring uh, they can do anything with the genes, anything at all. And they also take grants. Every university's grants from the big foundations look into them. And along with the grants come topics to avoid and topics to promote. That's how it, easily it works. This ties in with the last topic on that video game, neuroscience. You see, neuroscience is the big one. You know, it isn't just slicing brains apart like I've put up my website before from a particular neuroscientist in Canada here, who's got a good video up there. But it's all to do with alteration of the mind. They try drugs, they try electromagnetic radiation. They can actually use a Corbett helmet, and, or carbon helmet, and that literally will, will give you the same effects as LSD and various other drugs. This article is from guardian.co.uk. A neuroscience arms race. Now, neuroscientists are working with all branches of government now on mind control. 
and persuasive techniques to use on the public. A neuroscience arms race could lead to guilt-free soldiers. Now remember that video game I just talked about. The science of the brain is poised to play, play a major role in the wars of the future, according to Jonathan Marino at Penn State University. Military strategists grasp the importance of the mind on the battlefield when people first cross clubs. But advances in modern-day neuroscience and pharmaceuticals could transform the way wars are fought in coming decades. In a recent Defense Intelligence Agency, Intelligence Agency report, leading scientists were asked to cast their minds forward 20 years and describe how neuroscience might be used by the military. They described pharmacological landmines, performance-boosting drugs and electronic devices that make it impossible to lie, which would get them for the politicians. The issue has now been picked up by Jonathan Moreno, an, ex- an expert on the ethics. Now, remember when bioethics uh, suddenly hit us with cloning and suddenly the bioethicists were all over the media. We never heard of them before. These sudden experts were all there quietly and we all went back to sleep thinking, oh, these guys are there to decide what's ethical and what's not ethical for us. And we went back to sleep. Next thing you know, they're selling organs all over the bodies, all over the world, body parts, etc. And, uh, and then altering genes in humans and so on. That was the real purpose, was to, to put us to sleep. So now they have ethics experts for neuroscience. It's going to do the same thing as it tamper with your mind. So, so the ethics of neuroscience and national security. Guess who's going to be at the top over ethics, national security, in a new series of video interviews at Penn State. Marina kicks off talking about psychological operations. How do you make your adversary feel defeated? And how does the brain contribute to the sense that you can win or have already lost? Remember what I talked about where years ago, back in the 50s, we had Lord Bertrand Russell talking about creation of apathy. We have to create apathy in order to conquer the people. They already knew this kind of stuff back then, at least the elements of it says here, so far, so familiar, but later on in the interview, Marino gets on to the issues of interrogation and waterboarding, whether we want guilt-free soldiers and the prospect of a neuroscience arms race. Marino draws an interesting comparison between groups of physicists in the early 1940s and today's neuroscientists. While the physicists knew their work was to be used by the military, he argues that neuroscientists working in labs today might be blissfully unaware of how the research could be used in war. And no doubt some of them are. Because everything is compartmentalized. And the data they feed back to the big boys upstairs is never given back to them with anything added to it. They've always used universities for it. When Canada was leading the world in the creation of wartime viruses and bacterium and even funguses to wipe out crops. And you can read about that in Canada's Secret War. It's also called Deadly Allies, Canada's Secret War. You'll find they were doing a lot of this stuff back then. And they were using all the universities to do all their work for them, to create these killer agents. The same exposés have come out to do with MK Ultra. There's even a YouTube videos up there where they talk to ex-CIA directors who said every university in the land was taking grants to do with psychological warfare. 
and the mind control. That's the reality of the world. That's really what it's about. Now, the U.S. is scheduled for socialized medicine. And socialized medicine is a political tool. It's not there to help you. Unless you're extremely naive and you, 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 you buy the propaganda. But before you buy the propaganda, look into the countries that have had and use socialized medicine. It truly is one of the biggest clubs they can hold over your head. Because it's there to regulate your life. But it's also there to bring take health out of private hands, the health industry, and put it into the politicians' hands. It makes it an authority. That was always the purpose of it. In Canada, it was started up by a guy called Tommy Thompson. And if you go up on Google and look into Wikipedia, you'll find he was a leading proponent for eugenics. The man, the great labor man who brought you socialist medicine, was a proponent for eugenics, depopulation of the unfit. Think about it. And remember, too, under the United Nations Charter, World Health Organization, the plan they're bringing in for the world is is an authority for the world where you'll you'll be guaranteed the lowest, the minimum treatment that medicine can give you. Minimum. Remember that. Because it depends on your value to society. I read blurbs a couple of years ago from newspapers in Britain where they say that patients admitted with heart problems are, are given a number or an alphabetic mark on their board at the bottom of the bed. That tells the staff there to defibrillate that person should they go into cardiac arrest or not, depending on their value to society. That's what socialism is. Remember, Germany, Nazi Germany was a socialist country. Communism was socialist. What we have is world Fabian socialism. We have come in gradually through generations into government and taken it over. That's, that was the, Sojian, the, 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 the Fabian technique. That's what they promised they'd do. And it's backed by the big rich guys at the top. Here's what socialism does to you. It can label you forever if you don't fall into their statistics because they go on statistics, just like the baby I mentioned earlier that died with with a reaction to the hepatitis B vaccine. Don't fit into the statistical category that you should. Mail online. And this is from the 13th of May, 2009. Health officials label boy five overweight for exceeding National Health Service guidelines by just one pound. A five-year-old boy has been branded overweight by overzealous health workers after tipping the scales just one pound over the recommended guidelines. Zach Forder, a lively and active child, weighs in at a healthy three stone five pounds, but following a weight screening scheme, his mother, Michaela, received a letter warning that her son could be at risk of developing cancer, diabetes, heart disease, and high blood pressure in later life. If he stays off the GMO foods, he might be fine. Guidelines say the schoolboy from Carlton near Oxford should be between two stone seven pounds and three stone four pounds. He's one pound over. Mrs. Forder, a 37 preschool practitioner, said, How dare the National Health Service tell me 
my five-and-a-half-year-old child is overweight when he isn't. It's made me furious. It's a damaging and ridiculous letter. All some parents will see is overweight and cancer. And I'll tell you what else will be. It's going to be on his report for life, all through school and everything else. This is a very damning attitude. There has got to be a better way of doing it. She said she had not been told, uh, she had not told her son about the contents of the letter, adding it could, I could have told him the doctors think he's overweight. He could then take it upon himself to start on an eating disorder because of it. Well, so far they're only into his body. They haven't got into his head yet and labeled them something else. This is the world we're in. Where the family's removed, the community's removed, the culture's destroyed. So there's no one to stand up for anyone and government is raised to godhood as it was intended to do because they wrote about it well over a hundred years ago. Astonishing, isn't it? Or is it? I wonder. Now we'll go to the phones now and there's Rachel from North Carolina. Are you there, Rachel? Hi there. Hello. Hi. Um, thanks for taking my call. Um, you know how you've been talking a lot about all this uh, modified food and pretty much how we're being poisoned. Well, oh, I hear the music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll go into that. Um, just hang on the line and I'll take you back when we come back from this break. Through the matrix, and I've got Rachel from North Carolina on the phone. Can you start again, Rachel, please. Yeah, hi. You know, last year when I was listening to you, and I found out that the world was run by eugenicists, and that you know they were modifying all these crops and destroying all the land and everything, I decided to call my parents because I thought, since they had never told me anything about it, not that they could do anything about it, but at least they could take their mind back mm-hmm. and know what had been happening. So I called them and I was telling them all about it. And um, my mom just says, oh, yeah, the DuPonts were trying to kill us back in my day. Yeah. And and then she said that um, for, you know, during her time, they were all cooking with butter, like you were saying. Mm -hmm. But then all of a sudden there was this big push that everyone had to use margarine, that butter is horrible for you and that, you know, margarine is the best thing for you and that you had to had to use it, and she said it was the weirdest thing because it wouldn't melt. Yeah. And she just thought it was like plastic, and it was just mm-hmm. weird that everyone was eating it. And then, um, so, and, and I guess it's it's almost like plastic. It really is, but it's like if a couple... If you see it getting made, I think there is a video up there. You'll see this stuff getting made, and it's, it's disgusting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty scary. And And then another thing is... <laughs> You know, with the water, we actually here, we called our water department, my husband did, and um, we were talking to him about how there's fluoride in the water. He asked, is there fluoride in our water? And he said, yeah, it's been there since the 70s. And he said, well, have you been reading any of the toxicology reports, all the problems with it? And he's like, yeah, I've read both sides. And he said, well, you know, have you thought of actually taking it out of the water? And he said, well, you know what, you're not going to live forever anyway. Yeah, that, that's their attitude to us. Yeah, and uh, that's absolutely. the guy that's in charge of our water here. Yeah. 
it, we're not going to live forever, so why do we care? And what's the problem, basically? Yeah, I know. That's, that's what we're told. We're, we're treated like cattle. I kid you not. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the attitude of these characters. But I guarantee you, that these guys who, this guy that spoke to you wouldn't be drinking that water himself. Mm-hmm. It's the same with Monsanto. I read an article where they're one of their main bases in the U.S. There, uh, they demanded that the cafeteria company they hired uh, sell, uh, supply them only with, with organic foods. They wouldn't eat their own stuff. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. And um, you know how you were talking about the veterans and everything? I talked to a lot of different veterans, and um, one of them was in the Gulf War, and he was saying that they, w- they would have to line up every single day and they had to eat these pills, and they had no idea what was in them. And this one particular guy said he had some kind of problem where he actually had to chew the pill to eat it, yeah. and it was disgusting. And so he was like, after that first day, you know, and he didn't want to eat them anymore, but they were forced to take them. Like, they literally stood in front of them and made them take them. Mm-hmm. And so he would just hide it and then and not eat it. And um, another lady I talked to was saying how um, she was in the Air Force, and she got vaccinations. She had never had any female problems before this, but after she got her vaccinations, all of a sudden she had this tumor the size of a grapefruit in her mm-hmm. uterus. That's right. And then she went to them about it, and they basically got a contract together with her where they're they're paying her still now because of it. But yeah. they they didn't admit that it had anything to do with the vaccination. Of course not. Of course not. There was a great expose uh, a few years ago in Canadian military uh, when they came back and their hair was falling out, teeth falling out, their children, their offspring uh, were, ha- were having tremendous rash problems, genetic alteration pass through the semen of the soldiers and that was in the newspapers and the magazines. Thanks I've for watched calling. a few of those. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for calling. So from Hamish myself in Ontario, Canada, where it's pouring rain, uh, a rerun of last year I guess, it's good night and may your God or your gods go with you.